Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Was there any other uh, Bruins news, league news you wanted to go over tonight? Um, I don't think so. Other than, you know, we touched on it, but the Tarasenko trade for the Rangers is super interesting because... One, like they'd been kind of the team that was considered the favor for Patrick Kane for a long time. And the reports around it were basically like they had some concerns over Kane's hip. They had some concerns over the price. They liked the price for Tarasenko and they just made the trade. And, you know, I saw Kane had some quotes uh, that like he wasn't thrilled to to see the that the Rangers got Tarasenko. And it's like, well, like it's, to your point about guys getting teams getting deals done earlier like Patrick Kane hasn't even announced a decision about whether he wants to be traded yet so you know kind of only have yourself to blame on that one like if you're not if you haven't made your decision yet and you haven't told the Blackhawks like which teams you want to go to then yeah like I don't blame the Rangers at all for finding another deal and Tarasenko might just straight up be a better option than Kane right now like especially when you factor in Kane's hips so um yeah and and obviously it seems to be paying immediate dividends uh Tarasenko and Panarin on the same line seems like potentially a pretty magical formula for the Rangers so uh you know I don't the Rangers have kind of just been lurking where it's like they didn't look quite as good as last year but they're still like second third in their div- or you know really mostly third in their division um like they're gonna be there and now all of a sudden you see them make this move and it's like oh yeah that's absolutely a team that could be back in the eastern conference finals again like they're you know they're they're coming on and that's last year they're the team that made move you know added depth and and that helped them last year now it's like you had another star winger and it's like well you know who cares if they're not quite as deep as last year they just added vladimir tarasenko yeah, I, I've look. I think the Rangers got off to a slow start, like you said. I, I, I've, I like their team going into the season in their division. Um, I liked Carolina ahead of them, but you talk about the Bruins kind of getting off to a slow start out of their break. I mean, the Rangers hit the ground running in that first night against Calgary. Like, I mean, Jacob Truba with, I mean, that hit on Kadri, which I don't think we ever talked about um, last week or last episode, but that wasn't. Like one of the that was one of the has been the biggest hit of the season. Like Kadri's helmet, like literally, I think hit Mark Messier's banner hanging at MSG. Um, so, um, yeah, the, like the Rangers, the Rangers, Carolina. Like, look, it's it's all it tells you is it's reaffirmation that in a year where the Bruins have the highest of expectations locally, nationally, internationally. They're in the toughest conference. The Eastern Conference is going to be an absolute dogfight. I mean, you have Tampa Bay, Toronto, that you have to get through in your side of the bracket in addition to your wild card round, which would probably be, could be Sidney Crosby and, and company. could be Alex Ovechkin and company. And then, you know, you have Carolina, who's had your number a bit. 
the Rangers we just touched on, like the Bruins play them well, but you just never know. The Devils are up and coming. Now I think the Devils would I think they would squander to to the Bruins in a in a playoff series based off of experience and stuff. But like regardless, my point is like the Bruins cannot sit on their laurels here and and what they've done this year. They need to get better. And I they know that. This is not me lecturing them, but it's just it's just like, yeah, this is why they have to get better at the deadline. Find out what that is, find out if it's depth or whatnot, but it will we'll all be watching them, Scott. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned like the possibility of a capital series in the first round. Like I thought today was also another reminder that, you know, even if even if that ends up being like a fairly short series. It's not going to be a fun one like that. That team just is not easy to face. You're going to come out of it with bruises like that. You know, I thought they were throwing some heavy checks Saturday and that's without Tom Wilson. And we'll see what happens with him. You know, sounds like he maybe like re-aggravated something. Uh, I saw a report a couple of days ago that he had like a limp when he came back from from the break. So. Who knows what's happening with him if that if he ends up missing more time or if this is like a shorter term thing. But uh yeah, just not a fun team to play against. So like even though I look at him like, yeah, the Bruins could beat that team in five again, even like a five game series would be a top five game series. Yeah, and they were also without John Carlson, who yep. is their top defenseman. And I-, I will say this, I feel like when the Bruins played the Capitals in uh in in the playoffs a couple of years ago, I I do feel like you didn't get all the juice out of some of their players on in Washington. Now that's on them, right? Like good on the Bruins for doing what they had to do. But Alex Ovechkin didn't seem too interested in that series. Like you didn't have any fans in the arena. You had you had a couple, I think, that round. But like it was just a again, it was a weird year. Like I think. I think it would be a bit more of a challenge this time around playing the Capitals if they were healthy than it was that season, just for random intangibles. Um, but the Bruins could sweep them, and like you said, it's a taxing sweep. Um, hell, they could take them to seven games. You just never know. It's the NHL playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, Bruins got to get better. It, look, it's like as far as Chikrin goes, right? It's like, yeah, Chikrin's a very talented player, but we kind of touched on this with Razor, but it's like, you want you when you're at the trade deadline, is it better to get that big fish or is it better to look at your team and add to your team to make it as complete as possible and playoff ready as possible? And I think that that's why it's like I I really am indifferent on on their deadline approach. Like I want them to add, obviously. They're they're they have to be the they are the biggest definition of a buyer you'll ever see in the NHL. But, like, how are they going to add, right? Are they going to add, like, somebody that they feel like can be rugged for them in the playoffs, like Luke Shen was for, for Tampa Bay or, you know, somebody up front that, that that can log some minutes? So we'll see how it goes. You know, it's, it's there's a lot to play out in the next couple of weeks. So I'm not a fortune teller, Scott. I just like to react to things, you know? Yeah, and, you know, the, it's, it's weird. Like, I was going through potential targets this week, and I posted something on WEI, and – on defense, like there aren't a ton of guys that I like, and some of the ones I do, like I, I think, are gonna go for more than I'd be willing to pay. Like, I, I've even see, like I've seen things where people think Luke Shen might get a second round pick, and I'm like, I would not give up a second round pick for Luke Shen. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I I like him as as a depth guy, rugged seventh eighth defender. But like, I'm not giving up a second round pick for that. And you know, 
Joel Edmondson is out of Montreal. Like, and I know there's potentially hangups between like Bruins Canadians trading, but he's a guy that guy would like again is like a depth guy, maybe third pairing. But it seems like the Canadians asking price is like a first round pick. I'm like, to me, like that's Ben Sherrod all over again. Like that that's what the team that gives up a first round pick for Joel Edmondson, like that's how they were gonna feel. It's how the Panthers felt with Sherrod last year. Um so I don't even I do think like it would be nice if they add a depth defenseman, but right now, at least the asking prices, we'll see what the actual prices end up being. But the asking prices seem kind of crazy. Um up front, there are like a few depth guys I like, like Nick Bukestad in Arizona. I've mentioned Nick Benino before in San Jose. Uh Nola Chari, old friend. He could be available. St. Louis seems like they might be a team that's you know gonna be selling off some pieces and he's a pending free agent. Um, Sam Lafferty with the Blackhawks is kind of like a, an ideal bottom six energy guy, uh, who can, he can play all three forward positions, um, and has another year after this, he's making only like $1.1 million. So up front, I feel like there's a little bit more options, um, at least in terms of like the depth guys, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, because, Obviously, the Bruins seem to be at least in conversations for some of these big fish, whether it was Horvat before or Chicker now. Uh, but to your point, like even if it's just a depth piece at each position on defense and up front, like that's you can never have too much. So um, mm. I, I still feel like that's more likely for them, but no doubt that they seem to be having some of these bigger conversations. I also like how it's this like ongoing joke that like the Bruins are always in <laughs> on like the biggest guys out there, whether it's free agency or the trade deadline. And, and look, the last couple of years, they've actually gotten some big fish, but like um, it's just a funny narrative. Yeah. And it, but it's like, it's so bizarre because like when, like I posted the report this week that, that like they had inquired about Chikrin, it's like, that's a bunch of the responses. And I'm like, what year are people living in? Like, to your point, they've actually landed some of the biggest fish you can possibly like the last couple of deadlines that were out there. So it's like, yeah, at some point you kind of have to retire the narrative when they've mm-hmm. actually landed some big fish and like, teams don't do that every year. So no. they've done it. They've done it a couple of years in a row. And, uh, you know, so it's like, yeah, okay. They might not get chicken, but guess what? Teams don't land top players like three or four years in a row, every trade deadline. Yeah. And like, even like 2017, like Rick Nash at the time, like nobody knew he was going to retire right after that season with concussion issues. Like he was, he was a big fish at the time. Right. I mean, so uh, I mean, Don, so Don's had what, how many deadlines has he had as, as Bruins GM, like seven, six or seven. And at least three or four of them, he's gotten that's something pretty insignificant. So, um, one of my other funny uh, things on uh during deadline season is like everybody on on media like social media <laughs> acting like they like predicting who the Bruins are gonna get like they have like they had any idea who that guy was before they saw somebody else tweet about it like the one thing that comes to mind is like Bruins Twitter is all they're doing right now is just tweeting like um I think I think uh, the Bruins should go after Gavrikov on Columbus. Like anybody had any idea who Gavrikov was 
on Columbus up until they saw somebody in their timeline tweet about it. And then it, they just started doing, saying the same shit. Like nobody knows, nobody knew who this guy was. He's like a depth defenseman that block shots in the PK. Come on. He, yeah. I mean, which is good. I, I like him a little fine. bit more than that. Like I, I think he can, he can handle top four minutes. Um, but yeah, to your point, it's like Mark, Mark, this, this, this discussion when, when he becomes like a huge part of their cup run. Yeah. Well, I think like he would be a more significant addition than, you know, someone like a Shen, especially a Luke Shen. Like Gavrikov would, I think, be an everyday player for them. So Over that, that would be pretty legit. Like, Over who? He's, he's, he's not, he's not Chikrin, but, uh, or even particularly close to that. But he, he is an everyday player. Like he's more than just a seventh or eighth defenseman. So who, who is he playing over in, in the lineup every night? Uh, good question. I mean, Forbert's probably not coming out just because of penalty kills. So, I think Clifton. Guess by default, it's Clifton. But hey, you know what? Connor Clifton, one of the guys who had a pretty good game Saturday. So, I think Montgomery values Clifton a lot in the lineup. I do too. So. Which is why, like as I've said, like I don't necessarily think you need an upgrade on defense. You know, it's why I'm fine with with depth there. But again, any. If you're looking to upgrade, like I, I'm not gonna knock it. You know, you, no lineup guarantees your Stanley Cup. So if you think you can find someone who's an upgrade on defense, I, I do think you know Gavrikov would be a little bit more of a wild card because he's his success has kind of been more recent than Chikrin, who basically came into the league as a pretty good, especially a pretty good offensive defenseman right off the bat. So it's like he's always shown why he plays big minutes whereas Gavrikov like it's kind of just come on recently and it's to your point like it's a little bit more of a simplistic kind of defensive not really stay at home because he can skate and move the puck but not a ton of offense to his game although I think he had like 30 points last year so like it's not totally insignificant no that's definitely not insignificant and and look you're not bringing him in for offense right you'd be bringing him in for a 6-4 frame and yeah, ability to keep guys to the outside and be hard to play against. So, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't trying to crap on the player. I just, it's just sometimes trade deadline season just brings out like everybody tries to be Pierre LeBron on, on, on like Twitter. And it's like, guys, just enough. Let the, let the experts give us the news and we'll all see what happens when it happens. Uh, all right. 55 minutes in, Scott, are you all set to go? All good. All right. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you soon.